we humble our hearts in a word of prayer? Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you for that salvation through Christ. Thank you for that hope that it can bring to us. We ask this morning that your spirit would be with us and that as you know each heart, you would bring forth a message that could encourage, that could strengthen us 
that could correct us, that could bring faith, that we could be encouraged and know to turn our eyes to you. We ask that you would be with those who this morning are unable to gather around your word, that you could bring that message to their hearts that you are there, that you desire to bring comfort and peace. We ask this morning that your spirit would be with the speaker, that it would strengthen him naturally, and it would open that word and that it would bring forth to his lips a message for us. We ask that you would be with each of us, give us faith, give us strength to trust in you, and that you would be with our nation and with the leaders around this world, that they would walk according to your will, and that we could know and trust that you are in charge of all these things, and that you would give us strength, even in our own lives, and in our own cares and concerns, and give us the faith to walk according to your will. We ask these things in Jesus' name, who's taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Somebody have a song we can continue with? 
nice to see everybody out this morning. That first song we sang, I Look Not Back, I guess those words, maybe I'm not the only one, but they're, they're very powerful words and a powerful meaning that song has that when we look in, other, in, in, in any other direction, we, we seem to bring trouble upon ourselves. And it says, but I, the last verse, but I look up into the face of Jesus. For there my heart can rest, my fears are stilled. The prophet Isaiah says of, the, of, of, just, of Jesus' physical appearance that he wasn't a handsome or good-looking or striking-looking individual. And he says that he had no form nor comeliness, that when we would see him, we wouldn't desire him. So when we look up into the face of Jesus, we look for deeper things. And of course, we'll look into this text and we'll see some of these things. And and every time one of us is up here, we see these things, these deeper things, deeper, deeper meaning, deeper understandings than we than we have with our natural sight and hearing and, and understanding. For a text this morning, we'll read from the fourth chapter of Luke. This is a, this is a designated uh, text for the Advent season. This is the first, in the church calendar, this is the first Sunday of the season of Advent. So we'll read, read these words in Jesus' name. Fourth chapter, <clears throat> excuse me, reading from the fourth chapter of Luke, 14th verse through to the end of the 22nd. Reading these words in Jesus' name. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. <clears throat> And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as, it was, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. <coughs> I'm suffering from a cold here. but. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, and and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began to say unto them this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears and all that bear him witness and wondered at the, and all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth and they said is not this Joseph's son amen as i mentioned there this is a the advent season and the Advent season, of course, speaks of this Savior that will come to the world. And we, 
always think of it, or at least I do, as, as being the Christmas story, and which it is, of course. But this this text speaks more of of Jesus' preaching time on earth here, and in those years that he he uh, he says he's anointed to preach. Where was that? I read that. Spirit of the Lord is upon upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. It goes on there. But in the third chapter there, just before this fourth, we see there, and I've always I've always kind of marveled at that lineage of Jesus, how it's written here. And people that people that think that some smart cookie, I'll just use those words, wrote this Bible. They didn't have it straight when they said that. In the, in the third chapter, the 23rd verse, well, I'll read a couple before this. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven and said, which said, Thou art my beloved Son in thee. In thee I am well pleased. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age. And then in parenthesis it says, As was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. And it goes right through the lineage, father to son, all the way down. And we see it goes through the the lineage of David and, and Jesse and some of those names that we're more familiar with. Many of the names there... You'll never hear of them. But we see Noah and Lamech. And and then the last verse says, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. And I understand that both Joseph and Mary were of the household and lineage of, of David. And we see there that Adam being the son of God and, and going through all that lineage. And as we as we see in the in the Christmas story that Mary conceived by and through the power of the Holy Ghost. So Jesus was not Joseph's son as as we read in the last verse that I read there. And and in this in this uh, chapter three twenty three it says Jesus began to be about 30 years of age, as was supposed, the son of Joseph. Jesus is the son of God. So we see that we go through that little story of Jesus, and it's a powerful story of how he was tempted in the wilderness after he was baptized and the Holy, and as I read there, the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I, in thee I am well pleased. I don't know if we could liken it to our experiences, but when we come to the place of repentance, we enter into, we might say, a new stage of life where... The same trials and temptations come upon us. 
But we battle them in a different way. We battle them in that way that we believe in, in one who has fought the battle and won the battle. Jesus comes to this place in his life, and I believe it's when he was, yes, it was when he was 30 years of age, and, and we know that he died at, at, at about 33 years of age. That's when we might say the trials of life really, really started for him. Not that he didn't have any trials before, for sure. But Jesus says he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, the first part of this chapter where I, where I read the text. And he was tempted of the devil. He was tempted with, with all the things that we could be tempted with and are tempted with. And he answered the devil with, the, with his temptations with the word of God. And then it says in the last there that when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And some of the other uh, accounts of this say that angels came and ministered unto him. I think that's important and powerful to know that. That... He withstood these temptations with the word of God and with the power of God, the power of the living Holy Spirit. And then the angels came and ministered unto him. That's, that's the blessing that comes from following after what God would have us to do and, and, and believe. Then the text that I read, First, I'll say grace and mercy and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be multiplied unto each one gathered here this morning, now and forever. Amen. The text that I read, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth. Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. I guess the thought comes to me that, that Jesus finally came to that place in his life where he had to stand up and be, you might say, counted for what he was and who he was and what he stands for. I, I guess I, I've seen that through the years of my life when, when people don't really take a stand on much of anything. Life goes along pretty good. We take a stand on issues and we separate, our, we separate ourselves from a number of people. And it doesn't matter what issue you take and stand on, you're going to make enemies with someone. And this is the way that it is. Jesus had to take a stand on, on 
all the issues here. He had to take a stand against sin. He took, it, he, took it, he took this stand against sin in an interesting way. He offers peace and joy and comfort for those that are reminded that they're sinners and, and listen to this word. They pay heed to that message. He finds a place in Isaiah where it's written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty liberty them that are bruised. If we go back into some of these places in Isaiah... Fifty-eighth chapter is is the one that I think of it. It is so powerful, where these people are working for the Lord, you might see, and they wonder why life isn't going very good for them. Isaiah fifty-eight four says, "Behold, ye fast for strife and debate." The scriptures talk about a fast, and we'll look at that too in, in Hebrews. It says, Wherefore have we fasted, they say, say they, and thou seest not. Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge. Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure, and exact all your labors. Behold, ye, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day under the Lord? He puts forth that question that these, these works that we find ourselves so easily getting into. And, and, and again, we go back to that song. I look not back. God knows the fruitless efforts, the wasted hours, the sinning, the regrets. Isaiah says, it's not, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness. Here, here what, what did Jesus say? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. This is the, the fast that Isaiah says we should choose. To loose the bands of wickedness, undo the heavy burdens, let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh, then shall thy light break forth as the morning. And thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. That's sure a long ways from this first part. It says, Wherefore have we fasted? And, and they say, Thou seest not. We've done all these things, and, and we haven't even got God's attention. God doesn't even see that. He being all-knowing, of course, he sees everything, but... It doesn't get his attention. 
in our in our form of worship if we're if we're doing all these good things for him. I think of of John the Baptist, and I guess I bring it up often how how powerful his life was, and how he baptized Jesus, and Jesus says. Or John says to Jesus, I baptize you. you. No, you should be baptizing me. In this, in this uh, third chapter, it says, uh, And as the people were in expectation, and all the men mused in their heart of John, whether he were the Christ or not, John answered, saying unto them, all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will purely, thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. This is Jesus. The difference between Jesus and John, and John felt so inadequate to be baptizing Jesus. Jesus said, Suffer it to be so. This is this is what's this is what's the proper thing. This is what's to take place. John knew who Jesus was. John John and Jesus' mothers were cousins. He knew who Jesus was. He saw Jesus coming out of that that baptism and a doubt lighting on him. And a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And many other experiences John had with Jesus. Then at the last, he's languishing in prison. And he needed to be set free. He sends two men to Jesus and says, ask this man. Are you the one that should come, or do we look for another? That's how fickle our understanding can be. And, of course, we all know what Jesus told him. Go and tell John about the miracles. And I don't have it in front of me to read, but the blind receive their sight, and the deaf can hear, and the lame walk. And other things, and the last one was that the poor have the gospel preached unto them. I wrote down here, I was reading Luther many years ago, and I wrote down here what he says about the gospel. Luther says, See this divine promise of his grace, and the forgiveness of sins is properly called gospel. And I say again and yet again that you should never understand gospel to mean anything but the divine promise of his grace and of the forgiveness of sin. Here it says that the Lord has anointed him appointed him to preach the gospel to the poor. Remember the story of the the ones that were invited to the wedding and they all had excuses why they couldn't come or they'll they'll come later after they do this or that. They got a 
improve their land and they, they just married a wife and whatever these excuses were. And then the, the king tells the people, go out into the highways and hedges and call the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. That's, that's this little group here gathered this morning. That's us. That's those of us that have come to that understanding and realize that we're not, we don't have it all together. We need help. Jesus came here to help the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind, the broken. It says, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. If we go through this life and we have everything together and, and things seem to be going very well for us, we might easily forget where it comes from. Spirit of the Lord sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. Recovering of sight to the blind. Set at liberty, liberty them that are bruised. That's, that's what this life does as we go through it. And, and David in the 23rd Psalm says that, yea, I, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's, that's the here and the now. That's today. That's tomorrow when we go out into the world of work and rubbing shoulders with Everybody and anybody and this little group here it might be countless people that we come in contact with and rub shoulders with. We have Jesus in our heart. We have the hope of salvation in our very being. Recovering of sight to the blind. Jesus talks about the blind leading the blind. They both fall into the ditch. There's no direction there. We have this word. We have this, this word of God for enlightenment. We have understandings that are so deep. Many of them we will never understand. But God gives us what we need to make it through the day and make it through our life. And he, and he came to preach the acceptable, acceptable year of the Lord. And I, and I quote that in Revelations. And I, I get up here and I say the same things over and over again. But, but in that third chapter of Revelations, is it the Laodiceans he speaks to? Under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. In the natural sense, we find it more comfortable to be in this lukewarm state. And there again, where we don't really have to take a stand on much, if anything. 
It says, Because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. When we're cold, we allow sin to come in. When we're reminded of that, then it's a good place to be. When we're hot, we feel warm. We feel close to God, and that's a good place to be. But the lukewarm state, no. And these people that are in this lukewarm state, they think things are going along pretty good. It says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods. Well, that's a good place to be. I have need of nothing. Good place to be. And knowest not. The word of God says they don't know that they're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. They don't know that. They think things are going along pretty good. If they get into this word and read not very much of it, they'll find out where they really are. It says to these people, these Laodiceans, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich that we would be in possession of the true riches of God, hope of eternal life, power as we go through this life over sin and wrongdoing. Buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyes have that thou mayest see. Jesus speaking here, as many as I As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Jesus tells us to preach repentance and the remission of sins. Not not only repentance. Not only turn from your ways. But believe them forgiven. Truly from the bottom of our heart. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking at our heart's door. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. We hear the knocking. We go to the door and we open the door. We have a part to play. This is, this is not a good work that we worked our way towards salvation in any way. This is what we're asked to do. Jesus pleads with us to do that. Go to the door and open that door. Welcome, Jesus, in. If any man hear my voice, first we hear the voice. We hear the knocking. We open the door. The promise here, it's it's an eternal promise. It's a powerful promise. I will come in. You open the door and I will come in. I will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh, we overcome sin. That group in the, I believe it's the seventh chapter of Revelations. That group of people that no man could number. And the question is put forth that who are all these people? The answer is that They're that multitude of people who have come through great tribulation and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. 
they overcame by, by partaking in the first resurrection the second death has no power over them they overcame wrongdoing and sin in their, in their lives and they were a light to those around them to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne he that hath an ear let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches today is that acceptable year or acceptable day Jesus says that he's anointed to preach the acceptable year of the Lord the here and the now and he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down and all the eyes of and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him we remember how many many different times we see how the Pharisees heard Jesus preaching and they saw his miracles some believed which we are so thankful for others didn't like it they didn't like what they heard they were too steeped in the same thing people are steeped in today me first it's a me first society we live in today they're thinking about themselves they're thinking about their church their legalism their influence their flowing garments they wore and the fancy language they were able to speak with and they see Jesus supposedly an uneducated man but probably the greatest education any man has ever had because God enlightened him on things and God gave him that 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 he is all knowing so he says this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears he's saying of all these prophets of old all the things that were spoken of and I think of I think of uh, the, the two disciples on the way to Emmaus and Jesus just appears with them and asks them why are they walking along with their heads hanging and so sad and they said well don't where have you been don't you know of the events that have taken place of course they're doing this in, in we might say in a, in a type of an ignorance but their eyes hadn't been opened to what was really happening they, they, they saw the physical. They saw Jesus dying on the cross. They were hanging their heads because our hope is gone. We thought this was our Savior. We thought this and that. Jesus opens unto them. They're walking along. Three men walking along. Jesus opens unto them. All the scriptures concerning himself in the Old Testament. They still didn't have enlightenment on on what was happening. But when they invited him in to spend the night, because the, the day was far spent. And it says that he made like he was going to go further. And they invited him in. No, spend the night with us. 
And so they gave him something to eat. And when he broke bread before them, his bread is his word of God, spiritually speaking. He says, then, we're, then their eyes were opened. And he disappeared. He said, I'm not a spirit. I'm not an apparition that you think I am, he tells them later. And yet he was able to just appear with them. He was a glorified Lord and Savior at that point. He appears with them. He enlightens them. And then he disappears. Instead of going to bed like they were planning on doing, they couldn't do anything else except go to where the other disciples were gathered for joy and tell them what had happened. We've seen the Lord. He is risen. Jesus is saying, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. I'm here now. For thousands of years, it's been prophesied of my coming. I'm here now. He doesn't say this with that kind of a thought that we might as human beings and and say, here is me and look at me and, and I am this and I am that. But he just says, the scriptures are, the scriptures are fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? I like to go on here. Because we see that he's, he's in the synagogue and he's preaching there. And then we see that he wasn't so well received. This, this gives us a picture of, of man. This gives us a picture of, of how faulty, faulty and, and failing we can be. Of course, this is not talking about those that believe, but it's talking about these Jews that believe and these people that had trouble with him when, he, when they really found out who he was. It says, He will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet, prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. Jesus goes on to, to explain that. There are the chosen, those that will hear, those that will accept, those that will believe. These are in God's hands. Jesus says, all those that the Father has given me, I will not let anyone go. They didn't like to hear this. And then he says, but unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. Wasn't, wasn't a real great thing. It's like Naaman when he was asked to go and, and dip himself into the river Jordan. Well, he thought that 
I thought that, that this this prophet was going to have me swim or, or be cleansed in one of the great rivers. We lived up north in the Mackenzie. is a great river. And the natives throughout the centuries have called it the big river. And it is. And it's, it's awesome to stand on the bank at Fort Simpson and see that river two miles wide. So... He, Naaman thought, this man will ask me to, to bathe in one of these great rivers, not the River Jordan. It's about the size of the medicine down here, muddy probably. And anyways, we know the story. But unto none of them was Elias sent. He was sent to this, this widow woman who had nothing and her son was dying and she thought she would die and it says many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elisius the prophet and none of them was cleansed saving Naaman the Syrian God chooses who he will he chooses who will listen who will hear this voice who will hear this knocking And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. I thought it just said here, it says, All bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? Isn't that a quite a contrast? And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. God chooses whom he will. God chooses whom will listen praise God that he's called us praise God that he's prepared our hearts that we can hear this word and they rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him under the brow of the hill wherein their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. This is how this Son of God was received. He came into a cruel world. But above all that, he suffered and died that we might live eternally. It says, but passing through the midst of them, and he went his way. As we go through this Advent season and Christmas season, may it be brought to our hearts and minds. And may we be enlightened by this word that we would look to this man with, with as some said, I'm going to follow after the man with the nail-scarred hands. May we look to him. May we find these things in him. May each of us find these things. That we are poor. We're broken hearted. We need deliverance preached unto us. Because we're captive. 
We need our sight recovered because we're blind. We need to be set at liberty. We don't want to be bound by Satan and all the grand things he offers in this world. They're of no value. They get us excited for a little bit of time and moment and then we vanish away. Let us be like In the, in, the, in the parable of, of um, Lazarus and the rich man. He didn't have it very good here in this life. But in the end, we see the rich man tormented in the fires of hell. I am tormented in this flame, he says. Send Lazarus back so that my brothers don't have to come here also. We see Lazarus, who had a very, we might say, poor, degradable life here on earth. Dogs licking his wounds. He couldn't heal. We see him in the bosom of Abraham, in a good place. He's not in heaven yet, but he's in a good place. He's in a secure place. His troubles and trials are over. May we follow after these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we receive the benediction? <coughs> May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.